That's right. They gave us a second year. The best podcast available is back. I'm Jason Gibbs. To the left of me, the great Andrew Gribble. Best podcast available, Gribbs. We're back counting down the days to the 2020 NFL Draft here in, well, not here, but in sunny Las Vegas. Right now it's doing something outside. I have no idea what it's doing. but Yeah, you know, this is a, an interesting. I think we tested ourselves out in a huge way last year by doing a draft podcast <laughs> in a year that the Browns ultimately never had a first-round pick. So that made us dig real deep. So now we're back in a traditional uh, situation with the number 10 pick. You have a GM. You've got four picks in the first three rounds. I mean, this is something where this should be a little easier after last year when we're scrambling on day three guys uh, midway through the season. So uh, we, we'll be we'll be good to go with with a lot of good topics. I to feel say. like we were four or five episodes in and realizing we had eight more to go before the draft and we didn't have a first round pick. Yeah, that was that was a, a big blow to the to yeah. the the momentum we had built. Uh, but I think that the, now. Now we've just been dealt the fact that we're going to have to talk about offensive linemen here for the next 10 to 12 weeks. Offensive line, defensive line, maybe a safety or two. Eh, some wide receivers in there before this is all said and done. As I said, we're on with you for the next 15 weeks. Now the draft is 13 weeks from now, but we'll go two weeks after the fact. We'll uh, some meet the rookies from rookie minicamp. And just a few other things as we put the 2020 draft to bed. But we will be with you all the way up to April 23rd and day one of the draft from Las Vegas. Coming up on today's podcast, uh, happy to be joined by Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Looking forward to that. You've been down to Mobile many times. Yes, first year I haven't gone in eight years. So I, I felt like there was something missing that week, but uh, I was able to follow it from afar, and it was another uh, another good event for the for the draft. Yeah, in- indeed, and it's one of the better events to kick off really the entire draft process. Uh, you know, we could talk North South game, East West Shrine game, things like that, but it really gets going with the Senior Bowl. Yeah, you know, and it's gotten better and better in the fact that this year, and we'll talk to Jim about it. I mean, they have. A quarterback, I don't think many people are projecting him number one. No one would do that. But they've, they've got a quarterback that could easily be a top-five pick down there, and he had a good week in Justin Herbert. Yeah, no question about it. We'll see if that opens up some things maybe for the Browns at number 10. The more good quarterbacks, the more teams fighting to get ahead, the more maybe other players sliding right. back to number 10. So we'll talk to Jim Nagy here in just a minute. We, uh, we will uh, also do our mock drafts. All the big wigs with mock drafts. So. It's the first big round of them yeah. so far. Next when, week, when, it might be Gribble and I throwing up a mock yeah, draft. Yeah, when Kuiper rolls his out, that's when the, the season has officially begun. <laughs> and we're also going to talk about uh, how the Browns have a new GM and Andrew Barry and the challenges he faces here over the next 13 weeks. Uh, I mean, we talk about the draft, but there's a lot happening before the draft. Yeah. So that being said, let's go to the hotline. Welcome in our first guest for the 2020 Best Podcast available. We are in Berea. He is down in Mobile, Alabama. He is the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl and has been so since uh, 2018, if I recall correctly, June of 18. So he just wrapped up his second Senior Bowl week. Jim Nagy joins us on the hotline. Jim, appreciate the time today. Congratulations on another fantastic week down in Mobile, Alabama. Your takeaways from uh, from a news-filled week down in Mobile. 
Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Um, it was it was an outstanding week. We uh, it couldn't have went any better uh, from the players uh, and all the coordination and everything. It's kind of a three ring circus down here uh, during the week, and we had a bunch of different events this year to build out the week, trying to draw more fans uh, to the game. So we had a you know we had a, a leadership summit. Uh, we had a Mardi Gras parade on Friday night with the players. We had an outdoor concert, free concert downtown Mobile on Friday night after the parade. And, uh, you know, you envision things. This was the first year we did some of these things. And, you always, you know, sometimes you envision them and they don't come off how you, uh, you know, intend for them to come off. But it was, uh, it was an incredible week. Everything came off as planned or better. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's time to exhale a little bit. But uh, couldn't have asked for a better Senior Bowl week this year. Yeah, and it, 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 you can't get this lucky every year, but it seems like, again, the Senior Bowl got another of one of the top-tier quarterbacks uh, that is in this year's draft class in Justin Herbert. It seemed like he obviously had a very good week down there. How much does that help the game and kind of raise the level of competition with some of those other quarterbacks that end up going to the game as well? Yeah, it does. The quarterbacks move the needle, and, and I wasn't really aware of that too much. I really didn't care that too much, frankly, about it when I worked in the NFL. Um but I, I learned that last year with our game and then doing uh, do some ESPN stuff now after the draft, and, and uh, that's what they want to talk about. They want to talk about the QBs. So, yeah, we were fortunate this year. Uh, we had Justin Herbert, had an awesome week, probably solidified himself as a top-five guy. Uh, it'll, be our, it'll be our fifth top-ten quarterback in the last four years. So um, he was the headliner. Jordan Love, we're uh, ripping through the tape in the office right now. And, uh, man, Jordan Love had a good week, too, from Utah State. And Jalen Hurts was, you know, a headliner as well, Heisman Trophy runner-up. You know, big deal down here in Alabama coming back home to uh, where he did so many great things in our state. And then, you know, Anthony Gordon is a guy that that, uh, was the uh, North team offensive player of the game, and he had – he had a really he had a really nice game from Washington State, Anthony Gordon. So, yeah, another another good year of quarterbacks and – you know, you can only get what you what, what's out there each year, and we've we've been lucky the last couple of years. There's been some good quarterbacks. Jim, the, one of the other big positions that shined down in Mobile, Alabama, the wide receiver group, and and while there's a number of underclassmen, a number of seniors, I, I'd say six, seven, even eight guys made their names known with really strong performances last week down in Mobile. They did. Uh, they did. We actually just got done ripping through all the one-on-ones from last week uh, here in like the last hour and a half. And, uh, gosh, Chase Claypool from Notre Dame, 6'4", 230, 80-inch wingspan. He had a nice week. Uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden, another guy from Liberty, another tall 6'4 guy, had a great week. Um, I mean, gosh, he, AGG had an incredible week. Denzel Mims from Baylor was really, really good. Van Jefferson on the South team from Florida. Uh, he was almost uncoverable with his with his route running, and then uh, locally to you guys up there in Ohio, KJ Hill from Ohio State uh, was was great for the North team as well. He got voted uh, wide receiver of the week by his peers uh, for the practice week, and KJ had a really nice week as well, and a, and a number of other guys did too. But those guys that I just mentioned really really stood out. Yeah, a position that uh, is really getting the most attention for the Browns this off season is offensive tackle, and it looks like. Uh, Josh Jones, he kind of fits that prototype as a left tackle. What did you see from him this week, and and is that guy someone you would describe now as a definite first round uh, talent? Yeah, I think Josh. I think Josh played his way into that first round mix for sure. He he's got left tackle feet. He's really balanced. He's patient. Um, not the longest guy in the world, but long enough. 
when you have as good a feet as he does, and he's really reactive out there on the edge. So uh, he can handle those those speed rushers, space rushers out there. So he had a nice week. Uh, Matt Parrott from, from UConn is another guy. You can't teach his length and his feet. He's just got an unbelievable combination of uh, agility and, and length. And he was really good out there as well. Um, I mean, those those two guys. And Terrence Steele from Texas Tech is another guy, more of a right tackle. I'm not sure what the Browns need right now, but uh, Terrence more of a right tackle, but had a really good week as well. Browns need them both, so I think we're, we're good with, with either left tackle <laughs> or, or a right tackle. But uh, you, you've obviously got a lot of experience in scouting, and, and you've seen these tackles come up. This seems like a very deep tackle class in general, but I'm just wondering – with the way the offenses have evolved in college football, how much has scouting that position changed uh, and more maybe maybe making more projections than you might have been in the past where there seemed like there was more sure things at that position? Yeah, it's a good question, and, and, and it has. And it's not just the tackles. It's offensive line in general. Uh, you're getting a lot, you know, all the spread going on in college football. A lot of these kids don't even get in a three-point stance ever. You know, they come down to the senior bowl, and it's the first time they've ever been in a three-point we had a guy in that in that uh vein last year Andre Dillard from Washington State who ended up going 22 overall last year to the Eagles and uh, yeah he'd never been in a three-point so um you know Tuesday was rough Wednesday was a little better uh Thursday was good and the game was really good he got better each day so that's all the teams are looking for but yeah it's, it's a it's more of a projection now than it's ever been you know these guys are just popping in their stance and, and kind of dancing in front of people you don't see guys come off the ball and and actually get into anyone anymore and try to move them. So, uh, yeah, the offensive line coaching uh, is, is at a premium right now in the NFL. And, it, and it's harder now with, uh, I'd say, the new CBA, but what I say the new CBA that was bargained about seven years ago. Um, but it's hard, harder for those guys with only four day, 14 days in pads during the season and uh, all the limited time they have in the offseason. It's harder to train. So uh, it's, it's, it's really difficult. That's why you see a lot of teams going – to the schools that, that do run more of a traditional pro-style offense, and you can get guys that are, are more ready-made. Jim Nagy joins us, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Follow him at Jim Nagy underscore SB. 18 years in the National Football League uh, in scouting and, and evaluation. And, Jim, what is your advice to these kids? Uh, I, I mean, they're not kids at this point. I mean, they're, they're grown men, but – here they are. They just finished their college football season. Some of them have played 13 games, 14 games, and now they really aren't going to get any downtime until after their rookie season in the NFL. I mean, it is a gauntlet leading up to the draft, and then you have they get drafted, and then you've got to learn an NFL system. You might get a couple weeks there in July, but what's your advice to these guys as they begin the process and they start the week down at the Reese's senior bowl? No, you're absolutely right. It's this year, this next 12 months for them, it's, it's a whirlwind and it's a, a lot being thrown at them. And again, they, right now they're trying to transition from being college players to pros. So they've got a lot of different people in their ear. I guess the first piece of advice would be to surround yourself with the right people um, and, and, and have the right people in, in your ear, uh, which, which, some of these guys don't have, unfortunately. But, you know, all I can do is, is prep them for our week down here in Mobile, and it's, it's, a, it's a taxing week. You know, there's a lot thrown at these guys. It's, it's pretty stressful. Uh, we, try to, we try to incorporate things like the, really like the Mardi Gras parade this year. I was worried about how that would come off, you know, for the players' sake. 
And, uh, man, they loved it. It was their favorite part of the week because they could just relax and have a good time together. Because, you know, you're meeting with all 32 teams, sometimes multiple people from those 32 teams. Um, you're Like you said, you're trying to learn a playbook. You're trying to execute a playbook on the field. And they're under a microscope for this week, but they can really help themselves if they handle it the right way. Uh, and, again, they're doing it in pads and helmets. And, you know, they're doing real football things where I'm just drawn back on my time in, in the league uh, looking at a lot of the picks the teams I worked for, um, you know, maybe missed on, it was because we overvalued the whole shorts and t-shirts uh, part of the part of the process, and and I think teams are realizing that too. So I think the Senior Bowl over the last couple of years has taken on even more importance because teams are really focusing on what they what they do down here in pads. Jim, since you've been on both sides of it, can you kind of? explain the differences between the kind of interviews these players go through at the senior bowl, maybe compared to the combine and, and how important these interviews really are. Cause it seems like the attention gets focused way more on the combine with the interview process, but the, it seems like it's just as busy, if not busier at the senior bowl. Yeah. It's uh, a lot of it is, is scout interviews down here and assistant coaches. It's more, it's a little more laid back. Uh, and when I say more laid back, just the setting is a little more relaxed. I'm sure for the players, it's just as uh, stressful and the hard part for them is, guys, they're getting asked the same thing 32 times. I mean, a lot of these teams are asking all the same basic information about, you know, who raised you, where'd you grow up, uh, you know, all, all a lot of the same questions. So, like I told them at orientation, the hard part is for you to, you know, try to put on the same face for every team and, and be genuine with every team and don't get lulled into the, you know, just the, uh, you know, you know just the routine and, and pattern answers and coming across, uh, is, you know, is, is kind of rehearsed and, and just really giving each team an, an individual attention and let them really get to know you, be genuine. And that can be tough when, you, when you're going over the same things over and over. Um, but it's a little more relaxed in terms of, you know, you're just sitting with one guy where the combine, uh, each team gets 60 interviews. That's where everyone, from the outside looking in, everyone thinks of the combine interviews as those 60 interviews and, and each team can, you know, they get uh, 60 guys, and they cut that down to 45 this year, the Combine did. So that, that, again, that put more emphasis on the Senior Bowl as well. But, you know, you get 15 minutes, and it's like speed dating. These guys all have a little dance card set up that they put in their lanyard uh, around their neck at night, and they go from room to room, and you get your 15 minutes. And every team I've been with structured it a little differently. Uh, some teams do it more interrogation style, and, and it's the head coach and GM, and it's a little more intense, and they'll crank it up. Other teams, when I was with the Seahawks, it was it was really laid back. I think some of you guys, you know, some of your listeners will remember last year when DK Metcalf walked into the Seahawks room and Pete Carroll ripped his shirt <laughs> off, and and uh, so Pete, you know, Pete tried to keep things loose for the guys, and um, so every team does it differently. But but again, it's really important because you know, again, back to back to teams making mistakes. I think it's. Uh, you know, put too much emphasis on the on the underwear Olympics part, and it's also not knowing the not knowing the person well enough. You know, I think the easiest part when you're when you're in football, as, as long as most guys are in the NFL, watching the tape is really the easier part. The harder part is figuring out the person and and what's going to happen when they have to become a pro. You know, when they have money in their pocket and they have more time, um, that's really what separates guys at the next level. So. This was a this is a great opportunity for the for these players is that this is the only part of the process where they get a week long exposure with these with these teams and really the teams really feel like they get to know them so uh, yeah it's, it's back to your original question it, it's a little more laid back down here 
Um, but, but again, it's, it's incredibly important. You know, just anytime you get in front of these teams, it's important. What are you most proud of in the time that uh, you've been there? Uh, 19 months, uh, I believe, now. What are you most proud of that you, that you guys have been able to accomplish here with the Reese's Senior Bowl? You know, just, just the way the staff has come together. Um, we had some changes last offseason, and, and really we're, we have a different vision for the game. I think it should be more of a national game. I think that uh, we've got a great event down here in Mobile. We're trying to communicate that to the public. It's not just an NFL event. It's not just a media event. This is, this is the ultimate fan event. I mean, you've got great practices where you can stand 10 feet from these drills. You can go over to the hotel, and, and you could have grabbed Baker Mayfield two years ago and taken a selfie with him. I mean, these guys are just walking around. And then you've got the whole NFL. We had credentialed almost 1,000 people from the NFL this year, and these guys are just walking the streets of Mobile. You can, I, I dipped into a bar to, to meet a friend you know, during this week, and there's three head coaches sitting at the bar together having a beer. So it's really, really unique. Um, you know, diehard NFL fans, they would be uh, they would be pigs and slop down here. I mean, it is, it is really, for lack of a better <laughs> Uh, reference it, it's really an awesome week but you know just the way our staffs come together and and again in, in convincing the, the elite players that this game is for them you know we were in a little bit of a rut there um before i before we took over and our our crew came in they were at like three four and three in the first round and then uh, last year we spiked up to 10 which is a which is a massive spike and uh, this year i think we're going to be you know right at maybe a little more than that so getting these really elite players that, you know, probably for a little while there thought, you know, if I'm a first or second rounder, why do I need the senior bowl? Getting them to buy in that, hey, I probably need this game more than the other guys because where I'm going to be drafted, uh, every one of those spots is worth millions of dollars. Whereas, you know, if you're a sixth rounder and you go up to the fourth round, that's a big jump and you're making a lot of money. But if you go from 22 to 16, um, that's a ton of money. So really, you know, just the spike in the numbers and in uh, really trying to change this thing and, and make it a bigger event, that's that's probably the most thing we're most proud of. Well, Jim, we appreciate the time. We know you're busy. I hope you get a little downtime, get to see the wife a little bit, say hi to the kids, and, uh, you know, actually get to re-familiarize yourself before you're back in the war room trying to figure out the uh, the 2021 Reese's Senior Bowl, man. We really appreciate the time. It's a fantastic event, seniorbowl.com. With all the information, a great way to get out of, you know, get out of the snow and ice. Let's go with that direction. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, absolutely. And and follow us. I appreciate you guys having me on. Follow us on Twitter between now and the draft. We will be posting a a ton of stuff coming out of our game and and everything leading up to the draft. We'll we'll get you educated. We're gonna have a lot of video breakdowns and uh, a lot of behind the scenes stuff that happened here at Senior Bowl week. So. You know, after the Browns have their draft, uh, you can get on our on our Twitter feed and and, and Instagram, and and uh, you can go back and see who you know who the Browns took, and especially the guys who were down here, and get some get some cool insight. But uh, thanks thanks a lot, guys, for having me on. Hey, Jim, we appreciate it. Continued success. Thank you so much. That's Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, guest number one on the BPA. Good way to right, start. Right off the bat, some good uh, some good intel. Senior Bowl takeaways, you know, it, it is an important game. You, when you look at some of the guys that are on this Cleveland Browns team, the two that come to mind, obviously Baker Mayfield, number one, but people may not remember, Larry Ogunjobi came from the Senior Bowl. Yeah, there's been a bunch. I, yeah. I think uh, I'm, I'm trying to pull it up now, but it's something around 18 to 20 players on the roster right now with the Browns. Uh, we're at the Senior Bowl in some capacity. I believe you, you can go all the way to, I think, like a guy like Tavier 
Thomas was, was down there. I mean, it just goes, uh, it, it really is wide ranging. And, you know, Baker Mayfield, if we're being honest, I mean, he is the exception. Like, sure. it's just the odds are not in the favor every year of the senior bowl producing the number one pick in the draft. Uh, but that was a, a rare year where, uh, you know, you look back on it, Baker almost had to go to that game because uh, Josh Allen was also down there. And so it was rare that they had two of the, the big time uh, quarterbacks at that game. Obviously, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen were not there because they were, uh, you know, they weren't seniors. But, uh, you know, it's getting better and better. And I think now it's getting to the point where last year having 93 players from the Senior Bowl getting drafted. I mean, that is so much higher than it was just uh, 10 years ago or so. So this is a this is where you fill up your roster with with a ton of guys uh, that are going to play some major roles on your team, whether it be a second round pick, late first round. I mean, th- this is these are the guys that make up the meat of the draft. Yeah, no question about it. I know last week you wrote about it on ClevelandBrowns.com. Were there any other guys that stood out to you, guys that maybe Jim didn't touch on? He, he mentioned K.J. Hill, who had the, a really big week, and it was very reminiscent of what Terry McLaurin did the previous year. So back-to-back years where an Ohio State receiver who maybe n- might not be the most talented or gifted guy, but a guy that produced, went on and continued to just do that at, at the Senior Bowl and against uh, elevated competition and, and some of the best seniors in the country. So he had a very good week. The one guy I was going to ask him about, but we kind of trended on different topics, was Adam Troutman, the tight end out of Dayton. Uh, he's going to be the first yeah. – uh, odds are he's going to be the first drafted player out of Dayton since the mid-'70s. Uh, he's He fits the mold – of kind of a bigger tight end. He likes blocking, but he can also uh, make a ton of plays in the passing game. He's someone to watch. It, it is interesting because he his prospect status kind of reminds me of that. Remember Adam Shaheen from a couple years ago? He really hasn't done much since, since coming to the NFL, but, but Troutman is going to be a guy that uh, is going to ele- elevate maybe toward the top of that tight end class because it's not, not a really good tight end class. I think the, the top-rated tight end, Komet, uh, out of Notre Dame, he wasn't there. But really, you're probably not going to get a first-round tight end this year. But Troutman, someone you could maybe look at day two, day three. He had a very good week down there. Yeah, and I think Mel Kuyper in his big board has him as one of the top uh, – number three tight end yeah. coming out in the draft. So definitely something to watch on that end. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just you don't – sometimes you have to remember Dayton is a football team. I mean, yeah. they, it's just one of those things where you associate them Basketball's so much with college basketball. They're a great college basketball school. Uh, but they also do have a football team. But they just, this is this will be a history making pick, maybe the first uh, draft pick in, in nearly 40, 40 or so years. So that's a little recap on the Senior Bowl, getting the draft process started. Away we go for the next thirteen weeks, leading up to draft day number one, April twenty third, twenty twenty, in Las Vegas, Nevada. I know the CBD guys were hoping to get a trip there to broadcast from Radio Row. We're not going to do that. No, 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 no. We'll be here. It's a lot easier because the guys are here the next day. Oh, yeah. It just makes a lot more sense. You know, we we went through a 2017 NFL draft with three first-round picks. None of them were at the draft. Yeah. Which that's hard to do. Uh, You know, and then even in 2018, I think Denzel might have been there, but Baker Mayfield was not there. So it's a a tricky event, but you're right. Everyone ends up coming to us. Press conferences are here. It's better. It's a lot easier. Better to be in Berea. Don't get me wrong. I love Vegas. Who doesn't love Vegas? Yeah. But business comes first. All right. The speaking of business, the business of football here in Berea with the Cleveland Browns, new head coach and Kevin Stefanski. And on Monday, we have a new GM. It's an old face as the Browns. A young one, though. Yes, but a young one. The vice president of player personnel. 
and GM Andrew Barry now with the football team, back with the football team, running the show. Uh, he was with the Eagles as their vice president of football operations, uh, you know, already making some moves uh, with regards to his staff and a lot to do. Uh, you're going to have free agency, the combine, pro days, all this stuff before we even get to 13 weeks from now. But Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski are going to be responsible for figuring out who's going to get drafted April 23rd, 24th, and 25th. Yeah, and when we talk about that process, it really does begin first off with evaluating your own roster. And I think that's the thing that's going to be ongoing here uh, for, the, for the next few weeks. And especially because, you know, with the reports out there about your defensive coordinator choice, he's not here yet because he's he's busy doing some, stu- some stuff with the Super Bowl. So that even maybe adds a little bit more delay on, on projecting how guys are going to fit within the defense. Then you look at their, their salary number. Do they make sense for you moving forward? How are they going to fit within these new schemes? That dictates your decisions in free agency. And then even though these things maybe shouldn't go hand-in-hand, you should be drafting to fill up all your areas and areas of your roster, not just areas you need. But what you do in free agency is going to have a little bit of an effect on what you do in the draft. So all of this goes hand in hand. All of this is going to be done at a rapid pace uh, because, you know, we've got guys in this building who are already working on the 2021 draft. I mean, that's how things operate in the NFL. It's more than a year long thing. But now you have to make a lot of quick uh, decisions you would make over a longer period of time, now over a shorter period of time. So I, I think for Andrew Barry, these first couple weeks, tons and tons of information gathering and and ultimately uh, at some point here you usually do it before the combine you get all your scouts in the building and start hashing it out this is what he's been through before uh he'll have his own way of doing things but uh he's familiar at least with a lot of the guys that are still here in the building yeah and that does there, there is something to be said for that because they're gonna, <laughs> things are going to happen and they're going to happen very quickly uh as we roll into the quote off season but uh Andrew Barry, a guy with a lot of experience, came from a great program and great team in Indianapolis prior to his first stint. Afterward, I mean, the year that he spent in Philadelphia with Howie Roseman, I can only imagine that you're going to pull some good knowledge out of that building and what those guys do. So, uh, those, you know, I know that there's some questions about Andrew Barry and, well, is he too young and all that. This guy's been around. He knows what he's doing. And it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Yeah, you know, when you get hired as a VP of player personnel at the age of 29, you're on the fast path to being a GM. And yeah. I think that it was it was headed this way uh, no matter what, whether it was going to be with the Browns or not. I mean, Andrew Barry was going to be a GM here in the next couple of years. Clearly there was some interest by Carolina, uh, but they couldn't at that time guarantee full control of the 53-man roster. So he didn't, get, didn't do the interview there. So it, it's – clearly a respected name in the business. And and like I said on CBD earlier this week, when you go back and look at the press release, when you, uh, when we announced him as the VP of player personnel, the one quote there outside the building is from the most old school GM and that you can think of in Bill Polian. But now he's associated with kind of the new wave of thinking analytic based thinking. 
uh, he's just a smart, gifted guy, and I think that he he really. But he comes from the football background, played at Harvard, exactly. uh, was was a pro scout evaluator for so many years for the Colts. So this guy has a mix of a lot of different things, which is what you see in guys who end up becoming GMs because it is more than being a scout. It is more than knowing analytics. It, it's a it's a combination of everything, and I think the Browns believe they've got kind of the the right mix, and most importantly, the right guy to work with with Kevin Stefanski and finding guys that fit what the coach wants to do. Before we get into our mock draft segment, the draft is in Vegas. Let's go back to that real quick because, it, you know, the, this whole taking the show on the road I think has been good for the National Football League. And obviously it's going to really be good for us a year from now when yep. it comes to Cleveland. But uh, Vegas is a whole nother dynamic. And now <laughs> you're talking about putting players on boats and – Really turning it into quite the spectacle, and this is uh, this is going to be a little different than it, than Nashville, than Philly, than Chicago, than anything that I think we've seen here. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think mostly because it's going to almost feel like a United Nations type crowd of <laughs> NFL fans. You know what I mean? Because I don't. There's not even though there's probably going to be a lot of Raiders fans in there that are excited about them. You don't have the the years of fan base and excitement about that team in Las Vegas. And I think that's, what's going to be neat about Las Vegas games in general throughout the, these first few seasons, I think they're going to do better obviously than the chargers do with their fans. But th these are going to be those games where you see a huge road presence every year. Fans are going to be planning their Vegas trips to go see their favorite team play the Raiders. And yeah. that's, what's going to, I think that's what made Las Vegas such a, a, a exciting possibility for the NFL for so many years while you've been hearing uh, about Las Vegas as a potential destination. And uh, it'll be neat to see it. And I think it starts with the draft and, you know, it, it is really, it, it is crazy to go back. I mean, it's more crazy to even remember it wasn't so long ago when the draft started on Saturday. I mean, that's, that's how much things have changed where that seems like years ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. It was, it was early morning when we saw Joe Thomas get drafted and be on a boat. I mean, that, that wasn't too long ago. No. So it's, the draft has certainly evolved. It's only getting bigger and bigger. Uh, it's just going to be, to me, what makes a draft exciting is if there's any doubt going into the number one pick. And right now, we we don't really feel like there's going to be. So that, that to me, diminishes the excitement a little bit because there's no doubt, it's seemingly, from anyone who's going to be number one pick or even who's going to be the number two pick. It's almost like the draft starts at number three. Yeah, and that's where I was going next. The Bengals don't have to tell us who they're taking at number one, but they're really not going to think or even contemplate trading this number one pick, are they? I mean, unless you get the the total godfather offer, which is always a possibility. I mean, the, the Rams got that offer uh, for, for RG3 way back when, and they traded out of that, traded out of that pick uh, in 2011. Uh, but this is a I team that doesn't have a quarterback. No, and I, that's why, what's interesting. But it, it is funny because – so the, the interesting thing is they got to work really close with Justin Herbert all week, this past week. Justin Herbert – could have been maybe the number one quarterback last year had he gone pro. I mean, maybe behind Kyler Murray, but he would probably have been in the same draft position last year as he is this year. But the Bengals got – so Herbert got the head start with that with that Bengals coaching staff, uh, worked a lot with them. I think ultimately at the end of the day it's going to be Joe Burrow. I, I Unless something crazy happens, you, get, you, know, you don't want to risk anything. But, <laughs> the I mean, combine, it, who knows? Combine, all that kind of stuff. I, I do have – it is funny because, I mean, Bengals fans, we saw it in Cincinnati in, in December 
when we were down there, there was already already a sign for Joe Burrow in the stands because they had, <laughs> they had clinched the number one pick. But I have a friend, one of my good friends, uh, is a huge Bengals fan, and I literally all I do throughout the last month is I've sent him tweets or wet articles that is casting any doubt on Joe Burrow being the number <laughs> one pick. It's my new favorite thing to do. So I, I sent him a, a picture of of a, I think it was the old Bengals O line coach. The, earlier this week that said it's sure. not a done deal that they're considering all options including justin herbert uh i just sent him the the link about uh carson palmer he would advise joe burrow to think twice about going to cincinnati and so i like to to poke the bear a little bit but like it just it. seems like we ultimately know at the end of the day that that's what this is going to be and and all of a sudden the afc north is just loaded at the quarterback position which is not something we want to see yeah what do you make of justin herbert I mean, he's he's really tall, and I think that's that's the first takeaway. He's really good, and I think that he's is he's, he really good? I I think I don't know. I, I'm rooting for him to, to at least be good on draft day because then it yeah like, bumps down the position players for the Browns at number ten. But he he's he's he, there's been the concern that now we're hearing the debate: is he too tall? Which is like the old question about Brock Osweiler and and things like that. But I think he's fighting to be the number two quarterback in this draft against an injured Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, that's that's what's interesting. But now with the Chargers moving on from Rivers, I mean, that's that's a team that could be linked to Herbert. But ultimately, he could be someone the team's trade up to, to get because I think that he fits more of those old prototypes that you might want to see out of out of a quarterback. But he's also athletic. We saw him uh, running a bunch in the uh, in the Rose Bowl this uh, earlier this month. I mean, he's Three got a lot of throws. Means yeah, so he's. He's a new style quarterback that can help out these teams. And I think that there are more teams that are going to be willing to move into this first part of the first round than there maybe were last year. All right, let's get down to it. It is time for our mock draft segment. We have three big ones because usually about this time, everybody that's anybody in the NFL draft puts out their mock drafts. And we kick it off with Bucky Brooks on NFL.com, his first mock draft. Tristan Wirfs, the offensive tackle from Iowa, the junior. And the comment, the Browns need another rock-solid edge blocker in the starting lineup. Just a little tease. This position's going to come up a lot in this segment yeah, <laughs> when I mean, it comes to the Browns at number 10. I, I did a mock draft roundup for ClevelandBrowns.com, and it was all <laughs> offensive tackle. So it, it, last week there was at least a couple different positions thrown in there. But the interesting thing is uh, the, the, what I've been looking at in these, in these mock drafts with these different offensive tackles is it's, everyone ranks them a little bit differently. And I think that uh, for, from Bucky's perspective, he would, in his situation, would have Tristan Wirfs be the third tackle off the board behind a Jedrick Wills uh, and Andrew Thomas, and he expects four tackles to go in the top 11. So that that's that's different than we've seen in year, years past. The one thing of note with Werfs, and I I definitely don't think this would happen here, but it, it, Daniel Jeremiah in the past has projected Werfs as a potential guard, which I, I think he could still play tackle, but clearly he's got some versatility and could maybe in the different situations be a be a guard. Three quarterbacks going in the top ten, you know Burrow at one. Uh, he's got uh, Tagovailoa. Uh, from Alabama at number five, Herbert at number six to the uh, to the Chargers. I mean, everything stays pretty pretty even. It is funny because the wide receiver class is so good this year, but hardly a, hardly a mention here in the in these first few. Everybody drafting uh, linemen, whether it's defensive linemen, whether it's offensive linemen or quarterback, 
or that safety yeah, that I love Isaiah yeah, Simmons. I, I was uh, I was running on the treadmill this morning and I was seeing the scrolls as NFL Network does these mock drafts with the scrolls and it's it's crazy. It's like the wide receiver run starts at like 13 and it's like all these teams that you think are pretty good just adding wide receivers like the Cowboys, uh, just a bunch of, of, of different offenses. And that's why it was interesting that the comment that was made uh, before the Citrus Bowl or, or whatever it's called now, where Nick Saban said no one on his team was projected as a top 15 pick except for Tua. And I think that that's wow. that was crazy because Jerry Judy was like going into this, you would think was going to be a top five pick, but it. It might not make sense with some of these teams that are in the top 10. It seems like a lot of these top 10 teams don't need wide receivers. They just need other positions of need. All right, we move on. Daniel Jeremiah at NFL.com, the draft guru taking over for Mike Mayock. His second year is the lead draft analyst on NFL.com, and he has the Browns at number 10 taking Andrew Thomas, the junior offensive tackle out of Georgia. In his comment, the Browns must upgrade their offensive tackle situation Thomas has some areas for improvement, but he'll be too tempting to pass up. Does that mean that we're talking about a work in progress? Some things that need to be done. If I'm picking at number 10, I, I'm kind of hoping. I kind of want to plug and play. Yeah. But it, it, Thomas interests me in that it looks like he could play both the tackle spots if he wanted to, and the Browns could have some needs at both of the tackle spots. So that, that's something that interests me. But he, he, to me, seems like the guy that might have the biggest upside but it might be the, the tougher transition of the group. So it, it really, what it comes down to is is the, the what your evaluation ultimately ranks these tackles at. So I think with these four tackles that keep getting mentioned in the top 10, I think each team is going to grade these guys differently. And it ultimately wouldn't surprise me if a team like a Cleveland, a team like someone, someone else that maybe the Cardinals that are going after these tackles, wouldn't surprise me if, if some teams ultimately have to trade up to get the guy that they really want. Uh, for their specific offense. Yeah, and and again, I think a lot of things are in play. I mean, Arizona, Arizona has a quarterback. I think they would be willing to listen if someone fell. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Jacksonville. I think I, Jacksonville is going to be the tough team to read, right in front of you. But Miami, uh, the Chargers. I mean, maybe the Giants would be looking to move to package some things up at number four to jump ahead of Miami. Uh, for one of those, you know, the second or third best quarterback in the draft. But it, it definitely looks like Burrow won, Chase Young two, as we talked about, Okuda, the defensive back, uh, the corner from Ohio State, very talented corner. Keep seeing him at number three, but I think anything is in play because, again, Washington's got a quarterback. Yeah, and of note, uh, a friend of the show, Dame Brugler, says Thomas has shock absorbers for hands. And he projects him as an early starter, so the, I think there's some just there's some Dane. I things. like you, yeah. So he, there, there clearly some team people like Andrew Thomas better than others. It seems to me a lot more like Jedrick Wills the best out of Alabama. He's been one that has not been linked to the Browns too much because it seems like he comes off the board first. Uh, but maybe if you do do get lucky, I have seen mock drafts where the Browns do get the top offensive tackle of their choosing. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll have to wait and see though. All right, we move on to Mel Kuyper Jr., ESPN.com, draft analyst extraordinaire. At number 10, he has the Browns taking Mackay Becton. I'm sure I probably just butchered that. Did I butcher that? No, it's it's Mackay. It's Mackay. Yeah. yeah. All right. See? All right. I'm one for one. Gribbs prepped me on it beforehand. I told him I was going to mess it up by the time it got to me. Uh, out of Louisville, the offensive tackle. And – 
Mel's comments, I'm not quite sure what to make of them. This is a tough pick to project because the Browns don't even have a GM yet. We do have a GM now. Just a quick heads up. But Cleveland's clear weakness in 2019 was at left tackle. Greg Robinson was in and out of the starting lineup there and is now a free agent. He's not the long-term answer. If the Browns can't upgrade there in free agency, they should look to the draft. Becton, 6'7", 370 pounds. Take a minute to process that. Uh, Mountain of a man is rising since he declared for the draft, and scouts got a look at his 2019 film. Great feet for his size, can plow through defenders in the running game. The last offensive tackle the Browns took in the first round, Joe Thomas, at number three in 2007. If Becton can come close to Thomas's ceiling, new coach Kevin Stefanski can stick around a long time, which we're all hoping for. <laughs> it's, it, it's interesting to me, though, that Mel describes like as if like he's coming out of like a Division three school that these scouts are discovering yeah. his tape. I mean, he played at Louisville, and yeah. they were pretty good last year. Like, they stunk the year before that, but they're, they they were good this past year. I mean, they, they were second in the, the ACC Atlantic behind Clemson. So, I mean, the, yeah. he's a good player. And to me, with that size, the, that makes me wonder, could he be a, more of a right tackle? Could he be more of your mauler on that side? And But but we'll see. I mean, they're, they're, he's one of those people where it seems of the four – the opinions are maybe the most mixed on him right now. So maybe there isn't just a ton of information on this guy right now. But it, it is interesting that we talked a lot about the Senior Bowl and, and how there was a bunch of good left tackles down there. All four of these guys that, that were being mentioned, these are all declare early guys. So it, it, this is such a stark difference from just a couple years ago when I remember when the Browns were going through the process in 2018, the first year post-Joe Thomas, you're thinking Browns have got to get a left tackle. But that draft just didn't have any left tackles at all. This seems like the opposite of that, where there are a lot of options where you can upgrade uh, at that position. And I think it's crucial because we've talked about before, the free agency crop, there's there's little to be had <laughs> outside of maybe a, poten- a couple potential rentals for, for a year or two that are, are near the end of their careers. Uh, th- this is the draft where you have to stock up and why I, I can't rule out the possibility of drafting multiple at this position because you just don't have a ton of depth at that position on your roster right now. All right, so that's this week's mock drafts. They are the big ones. Next week, we're probably going to have to pull something. We're, we're going to have to go deep to find the, uh, the next round of mock drafts because I think everybody takes a little time now to process things until we get closer to the NFL Combine, which is about five weeks from right now. Final thoughts from you on it's, episode it's one of the be back and we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. It's just, you know, it's, it, it might be a little tough talking linemen for the next 10 to 12 weeks, but it's what you need. This is we saw the Browns in 2019 needed to be better on the offensive line, especially at the tackle positions. I mean, this may not be the, the sexiest year of talking prospects. It'd be a lot easier to talk about Jerry, Judy, Henry Ruggs, those kind of guys. But uh, these are the guys that can win you win you uh, games that matter. All right. We want to thank Paul Taylor spinning the dials on the other side of the glass and uh, keeping us up and running and getting us up and running. We have graphics. We have logos. And speaking of logos, uh, Ricky Sawinski uh, with an outstanding job and a a big assist. So props to him. He created all the things behind us to make us look good. Want to thank Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, for his time. Again, SeniorBowl.com. Nice little January vacation in Mobile. That's all I'm saying. Have a nice little time. Andrew Gribble, outstanding to have you back. Yep. Looking forward to the 2020 season, the off season, as we like to call it, that really is the season. 
that yeah, sets everything ends. up. No, it, it really doesn't end. Uh, you can subscribe to the best podcast available wherever you go to get your podcasts. Log on to clevelandbrowns.com to hear it. You can check us out on video. We're now videotaping everything, thanks to Mr. Taylor at uh, our YouTube channel. Brown's YouTube channel or clevelandbrowns.com. Exactly. Keep it locked to clevelandbrowns.com and all of our social media platforms for the latest as we get closer to the 2020 draft. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available.